welcome back to Sweet Tea and D&D. It's been a year. I've missed you. Uh, my name's Zach. I'm the host of Sweet Tea and D&D, as well as my two new guest hosts, or, well, two new hosts. Go ahead and take it away, you two. Hey, I'm Thomas. Oh, and I'm Adrian. I, I like that y'all were And we're new at it. this. And we're, yeah, we're very <laughs> new to the podcasting scene. Except for the hours we spend listening to podcasts. Oh, yeah. No, all I've listened. Time. Listened hours and hours and hours and hours. But never recorded, so this will be fun. So, uh, we're going to get started. We're kind of rehashing the show here. Uh, I'm coming from it as playing as a DM or running games as a DM for multiple years for different versions of the game. We've got some new experienced players. I think you guys have played, what, about two or three times? So we've played, uh, you DM'd a game for us that I think we got like three sessions into before you decided the PhD was more important or something like that. And so you dropped us. Um... (laughs) And then uh, I've listened to some D&D play podcasts, and Adrian's listened to... Like, a lot of them. Like, all of them, I think, yeah. at this yes. point. I yeah. really enjoy Critical Role, Dimension 20, and uh, Adrian actually introduced me to Dungeons & Daddies, which is not what you think it is. It's a D&D podcast, and I highly and recommend them. And not a BDSM podcast. And not a BDSM podcast. Oh, it's podcast. so good. Very good shows. I enjoy all of those. They're very funny. I need to get back to it and listen to more of it. But, uh, yeah, so what we're going to kind of do here is try to restructure the show a little bit. Previously, we used to do with Jamie, who has uh, stepped away from the show to follow her own pursuits. I'm actually a doctor now. I'm no longer in school. Woo! Now yeah. I have debt. Yeah. An ass load of debt. <laughs> <laughs> now, you had debt. you had debt before, just nothing to show for it. That is true. My debt is from undergrad, <laughs> not grad school. I'm not trying to promote grad school. No one should come out of grad school as messed up as all of us are. So uh, everyone on this podcast now has an advanced degree now that I think about it. So yep. that's, I mean, two doctors and a master were like most of the way to the big bang theory. Oh point, shit. We should all rent an apartment <laughs> together. I can be the hot, sexy neighbor next door. As long as we don't have to move to California. I'll be okay. Oh, please don't make it in California. We can't afford that. No, we can't. We have too much debt for that. So, all right, so yeah, we're, we're covering. Re- so what's the new, what is this new, I've listened to this podcast many of time, and I know you cover a monster, and then Jamie covers a monster, or vice versa, and then y'all kind of hit some items uh, and some player tips. How are we restructuring? What are we doing? So what's going to happen is one of us, or these guys, as in Thomas and Adrian, are going to pick a monster from the monster manual that we haven't covered yet. Uh, They're going to read the stats as we always do, as well as the description of it. And then I'm going to pitch a possible minor encounter and how to use that creature. And then we'll continue with uh, magic items as well as a um, DM or player tip. Or as we always called it, just the tip. So I think Adrian's gonna kind of read this monster. I'm not sure if we told her that she needs to like describe what this monster looks like, since this is an audio medium. You know, she's gonna get to. You can just put it together. No, yeah, you should describe the monster. We we try to do that. Yeah, as best I we can, can do that. Well, I've used prose. I don't know how to describe things very well. So we tried drawing them at one point. That did not do well for my artistic ability. <laughs> Probably greatly improved it. Mm, no, no, it didn't. <laughs> Alrighty, so y'all want to go ahead and start off with our monster and just kind of describe it, its appearance, what page it can be found on in the monster manual or whatever source book you're using, and then go through it. You can pretty much read it as it is. Our first monster is going to be the Galloptor. 
I don't know if that's how you actually say that, but that's how I'm going to say it. This this monster is a boulder. It's just a rock, basically. Like um, a humanoid rock. It's a humanoid a rock. boulder. I like that boulder. Yep. <laughs> Let's see the official description on page 139 of the Monster Manual. The Galabdur is a boulder-like creature with stumpy appendages that act like arms and legs. It has the ability to animate the rocks and boulders around it, and thus is usually encountered in rocky terrain. So, yeah, this thing is basically a boulder. It it can turn into a boulder that chases you on flatland or downhill, and it rolls after you and slams into you. Seems like that's kind of its thing. <laughs> the boulder likes this description. I need to rewatch that well, show. Everybody needs to rewatch that it's a show. Good show. What show is that? Avatar: The Last Airbender. Avatar. Oh. Okay, we gotta cancel the podcast. I'm sorry. I can't. (laughs) She's watched. I've watched Avatar. I just have a terrible memory. I don't remember things till I've watched them like twelve times. Mm, 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 mm. You can't remember the boulder. (laughs) All right, sorry. Is that's the one where you meet the girl, right? Yeah, it's Top Arch Rival. Right. Uh, Kind of. (laughs) Thomas is gonna make me rewatch. Avatar again, guys. Yep, yep. It's a good show. I'll watch it again. Good. Um, so, what do we need? We need the stats on this guy. So, how is this creature kind of summoned? Or, if you want, I can read some as well. Okay, let's see. Powerful magic allows a spellcaster to summon the Galabdur from the plane of Earth. Or, they can form naturally in places touched by the plane of Earth. Um... So, it is technically an elemental. Zach, what's an elemental? Explain it to me. So, an elemental generally occurs, uh, or sorry, originates from the plane of elemental whatever. So, fire, earth, water, air. There's four elemental planes. Anything originating from that plane is considered an elemental. Or those planes. All right. So, not typically naturally occurring on the... Material plane, no. The material plane. Yeah. Yeah. You have to summon them or something along those lines, yeah. Cool. Or it's an uh uh-oh that they just happen to be there. Yes, there are technically, as they kind of mentioned, they can kind of come through the plane naturally. So, uh, if there is a rip between those two material and uh, elemental planes, they can often appear there. Cool. So, let's see. The Galabdur has greater intelligence than most elementals. So it can actually assess threats and communicate with creatures, which is nice. So he's not as dumb as a rock? He's not as dumb as a rock. (laughs) Good for him. Well, good. That's, you know, we don't judge on appearances here. No, I'm a big fan of rocks. I'm looking at his intelligence score. Don't give him too much credit. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, his intelligence is pretty low. He's not a wizard. Let's put it that way. Yeah, no, he's all about that constitution, because, you know, he's a rock, so. Um, let's see. So, yeah, it looks like one of its, let's see, I'm new to the monster manual, so it has, like, little headings, so the next heading is Stone Guardian, um, which means that it gets to get used as a sentinel a lot, it looks like. A Galabdur does not require age or require sustenance, making it an excellent sentinel. A powerful druid might charge a Galabdur with protecting a stone, circle, or sacred hilltop. Or, let's see, it could be used to guard a tomb or a wizard's tower. 
and it can make itself look like a boulder, so it can remain perfectly still for years at a time. That's, you know, sometimes handy, I guess. It seems like it's really handy in rocky places, so just hide as a boulder and attack you out of nowhere. But I guess uh, Zach is going to tell us more about how he might use it in a bit. He's probably, you know, TPK'd some, some people with him. Before. I have not used this monster before. When you mentioned it to me, I was like, okay, I don't know what it is. And so I have Googled it, and I well, I have my own book out, so I'm ready. I have a plan. You yeah. Have a plan. I'm, I'm fond of it, personally. Okay, yeah, so... she likes ugly faces. <laughs> she likes ugly faces. She married me, after all. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if we're looking at kind of the general stats of this guy, he's got an armor class of sixteen, which is natural armor. Um, his hit points are ninety-eight plus forty-five, so about eighty-five hit points, and a speed of fifteen feet. Or when he's when he's rolling, he has a speed of thirty feet. Unless it's downhill, and then it's sixty feet, so he can uh, he can get going if he's got <laughs> some gravity working for him. It looks like because he's a boulder. <laughs> he's a boulder. boulder. <laughs> Rolling stone. Um, so so we're listed. He's listed as a challenge rating of six, um, and and primarily does bludgeoning, piercing, slashing damage uh, that are non magical. He just he kind of just hits you. Um, as boulders do. Poison. Yeah, as they he's do. He's a boulder. <laughs> he is a boulder. He's a boulder that can throw himself. So that's, you know. I, I would like, like to see he that's... can also throw other rocks. Right. And not just himself. I like to see that kind of self-motivation. It's, it's <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, uh, he also cannot be exhausted, paralyzed, poisoned, or petrified. Because he's a rock. Because he's a rock. And he has dark vision up to 60 feet, unlike most rocks. Um, tremor sense to 60 feet and passive perception of 11. Um, and he speaks Terran. Um, and so, Zach, uh, explain this to me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing tremor sense would be basically like sonar in the rock. Like he can hear people moving across the land. Yeah, so similar to a ca- a ca- ATL, sorry. Avatar The Last Vendor, I almost said Atlanta. Um, so, uh, in Avatar The Last Vendor, you have Toph who can stomp on the ground and get an idea of where everything is. That is Tremor Sense. So this has the ability to sense vibrations through the ground and know its location. It does not have to have any vision to see where you are. So unless you're floating, as Twinkletoes does, you're getting fucked by a rock. Alright. Hard to, hard to sneak up on, it sounds like. Uh, it's hard to sneak up on it, but it is probably going to be mm, not so great at sneaking up on you, but, uh, you won't notice because it looks like a boulder. Right. Well, let's see. What was, what, the dex? He's got a plus two to dex. So, which, which seems kind of, kind of Twinkletoes-ish, honestly. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's rock. not a negative, so that's good for him. He could sneak up a little bit, but I think... As long as he is not moving, it's a boulder, and don't question it. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, there are a few actions, as these guys have talked about. Uh, they has the slam action, which is where the creature just bludgeons you to death. Hits um, hit you. Uh, as they mentioned, that they have a greater speed when it's rolling towards you. So this creature can roll itself in your direction. Kind of think of the uh, stone creatures from Legend of Zelda. Y'all played those before? 
it's particularly it's from Ocarina of Time, I believe, where they're the stone creatures you have to dodge when you're rolling down or running up the hill. But uh, these I was kind of just picturing Sonic. So. Yeah, Sonic. It's it's yeah, it's Sonic, but less blue, more brown, uh, and not and wearing shoes. I guess you could put <laughs> shoes on it. So uh, th- what happens though is these guys have what is called their rolling charge, right? So if they get to roll at least twenty feet straight towards the target, it does a slam attack at the same turn. The target takes an extra two d six or seven bludgeoning damage. If the target is is a creature, it must succeed on a 16 saving throw or be knocked prone. So are you guys familiar with the, what the prone condition is? Laying laying out, you can't... You're, you have you, to use you your can't... movement to stand up. Correct. You... And you have disadvantage on... Uh... Dodging or uh, dexterity, or <laughs> Yeah, so what happens with that is you're knocked prone, it takes half your movement to stand up, and you have advantage... People have advantage on attacks to hit you on the ground, uh, and disadvantage for range attacks, because technically you're not as easy as a target. So that's something to consider if you were a player. If you knock someone prone, they're harder to hit at range. So gotcha. the biggest thing here I would say is going to be the most fun part about this is their stone connection. These creatures have the ability to create more buddies of theirs out of other boulders. Uh, so that's just animating material plane rocks and not calling more of themselves out of the other plane it creates two more creatures but just with lower stats so the only Uh thing is is those creatures are summoned yeah so we can we it 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 has the action animate boulders once per day the golubder magically animates up to two boulders it can see within 60 feet of it a boulder has statistics like those of the Gullibder, except it has a, a intelligence of one and charisma of one. It can't be charmed or frightened, and it lacks the Gullibder... Oh, it lacks this action option. So it can't animate more boulders. Oh, man. Can't, just can't make an infinite boulder army. It's not boulders all the way down. Not boulders all the way down, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A boulder remains animated as long as the Galabder maintains concentration up to one minute, as if concentrating on a spell. So, I guess that's saying if you attack it... It, it has to make a check. It has to make a check that it continues to concentrate. And Correct. my understanding is that those concentration checks depend on how much damage was done. Mm-hmm. It's half damage or ten, whichever is higher. Ah, Okay. So if they roll 40 damage, the boulder would have to roll a 20 on it. If they rolled 10 damage and it halves to 5, it's still 10 for the roll. Okay. So so you gotta, if you hit it real good, you can make it lose all its boulders. And it can only do that once a day. So. Once per right. day. But in my mind, but in my mind, it would animate other, it would animate two other boulders when you came in range of it before it ever revealed itself. So you think you're fighting something and you don't even know he's there because he's still completely still, right? Mm-hmm. You still think, oh, that's just a rock laying over there, and he animates two other rocks to come and attack you. Exactly. So you've kind of already hinted at like what I was kind of pitching for this thing. <laughs> so <My> um, <laughs> the important thing here is that this thing is damage resistant to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from anything that is non-magical. Uh, one thing we did not talk about is its challenge rating, which is a 6. Meaning that this is for a party of six level characters, give or take some other information into that. Challenge rating is a little difficult to calculate. But 
um, what I was kind of picturing with this is that the party is trying to climb up a mountain or they're trying to climb up a hill. It's rocky. Think of the Rocky Mountains. Or there is um, something at the top. The story I'm kind of presenting here, what I would picture it as, is that um, this creature was summoned a long time ago. And the wizard who summoned it has either died since then or is holding it captive as a servant. Uh, they are intelligent, so they are capable of, I would say, knowing that they are not necessarily prisoners, but are in a servant's position. So the way I see it is this um, uh, creature would probably be hiding on the mountain, and as the party approached them, it would do, as you said, which is conjuring or summoning two new boulders to its aid, uh, which would then be launched down the mountain at 60 feet. Uh, which it would be capable of doing the slam attack on it. So on average, the slam attack would do 19 damage if it gets a rolling charge on it. So that's yeah. You you definitely want. I can see the challenge rating of six because you know if you're much lower level than that, that's gonna wipe you out pretty quick. Yes, this would be pretty quick. To, you could take out a level probably three party right off with just one of these things, right? So. Right. Let's say you're hitting this thing, particularly if they don't have magic items. That's an important step. Magic items are the only thing other than spells that affect this creature. So, gotcha. with that, or excuse me, resistances. So it takes half damage on all of those attacks. It is immune to poison. It has no circulatory system. So it cannot, you, you can't poison a boulder. Mm -hmm. I would be impressed mm -hmm. if you found a way. So yeah, the way I well. see it is this creature would conjure or summon its two buddies to roll down the hill to fight. Why it went and either defended its master who summoned it or defended its home where it was hiding. Whether that's a rift in the elemental plane, this could be like a small rift that it is protecting to prevent people from going inside. You can use it as it's trying to prevent those on the material plane from entering this rift because it's the earth elemental plane and it will be rough on those players. Or it's just trying to guard something that its master has set there itself. Whether maybe that's its cave where it keeps its phylactery if it's a lich. Maybe it's a cave where it keeps all of its jars that it used for the clone spell if it's a very powerful wizard. Lots of things you can do with that. Um, maybe the wizard was a necromancer and it has conjured a few stone golems up to uh, defend it. Or golem doer. So well, and so I see. I see that his his alignment is listed as neutral. So, uh, in all likelihood, maybe he wouldn't attack unless he was put there specifically to do so. Like if he accidentally ended up in the material plane, he may just hang around and not attack anybody. Correct. That's correct. So if if there's no threat, it does have an intelligence to know whether or not you are a threat. I don't know how you threat a boulder. Um, I think that's probably pretty challenging. Unless you're just, like, hitting it with water. What are you going to do, threaten erosion? I was going to say, I attack with erosion. <laughs> I cast weathering. Uh, so, uh, yeah. A time? A time spell? A time maybe? spell? I don't know. You get four seconds of time stop, or four rounds, so about 20 seconds of time stop. I don't know how much you're going to weather away something with that. So Not to stop it, to make it go faster. Yeah. I don't think that's a thing. Oh, wow. Okay. A wish spell would do it. Uh, oh. So I would see them... If I were kind of defending something, I would definitely have quite a few rock traps set up to where um, you're trying to trap the party in some type of cave. This creature could have put some traps together. 
So there, there's a way for it to defend something on a hill or a cave setting. It is very much a rocky terrain setting that you would have to kind of put this creature in. Otherwise, it'd be kind of weird if you're on a grassland and there's just a boulder in the middle of it. It's a nice boulder. That would be fun, though. Like, if you're just, like, walking through and you're like, you see a boulder, just like... Okay. <laughs> and it starts talking to you because you're insane. So this is a great way to give your party members some weird thoughts, particularly if they know how to speak Terran. That would be interesting. Uh, so one thing you can also look at here, as you mentioned, is that false appearance is a great option for these creatures. They can hide in plain sight as long as they're near other boulders. Or it just looks like a boulder, right? So in a grassland boulder, you just see a boulder. I, as a person who generally knows the grasslands don't have a lot of boulders in them, would be like, why, 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 why is there a boulder here? So if it's indistinguishable from a normal boulder, if you tried to, like, do an investigate or, like, would it on it, would you, would you be able to tell if you rolled really good? Like, how does that work? So since it says indistinguishable... If it was within a group of them, you would not be able to investigate that's what it was. Now, let's say you engage in combat with this creature. Um, once you saw a boulder roll around, you probably get the idea that it is a boulder. I would say, let's say you're at, there at the top of the hill, you're climbing up it, and they roll down like boulders as the shapes that they are, and then they stop as boulders on the bottom. They, your party might interpret that as a rock trap. As just rolling mm -hmm. boulders. And then until they start moving, you wouldn't know they're anything else. I would say if you've started combat, though, and they have moved with, you know, arms and legs or tried to roll towards you, them going into a boulder position, you know which boulder they were. I would mm -hmm. say there might be an intelligence or perception check to distinguish between, like, let's say they roll into, like, a pile of boulders. You're in combat with it, unless you're stupid and have a very low intelligence, you'd probably catch on the fact that, hey, that boulder that just rolled past me and tried to take a chunk of my flesh off is also the boulder laying over there that I just saw roll into position. So, but yeah, otherwise, not, yeah. not in combat, can't tell it apart. So these are kind of fun creatures. I can see them being a kind of... I could see them acting as kind of warnings as well so they can stand near a portal warn you if they're working for someone i would play it as they're kind summoning or animating two of their friends and because they have to hold concentration it would be in their best interest to leave combat or not engage in combat in the beginning and go and warn whoever's coming or set up or engage all the traps maybe they're setting all the trip wires that drop boulders and darts on you as they walk through because you can't really take out a boulder with boulders it's half damage they'll be fine so right well and but so it says concentration up to a minute so it doesn't seem like he can keep his buddies around very long i mean a minute in combat is it's obviously 10 rounds of combat plenty of rounds of combat but mm -hmm. if if they just roll down the hill and don't engage you that's not combat they will roll, that will be an encounter of, okay, now you're trying to dodge these traps. That would technically be an attack, not a dodge. So they would roll to attack at that point. I would say that those creatures are meant to engage in combat at the bottom of the hill to try to stop them. The thing is, is they have an intelligence of one. They're not smart. <laughs> 
and they can they're not only gonna, They're not going to sit still once they pass you. Yeah, their their job is to move and attack, right? Maybe you can give them a little warning as the DM of how you would use that, but these things would definitely continue to fight. They're not smart. They probably just guttural sounds of Terran, and they sound like grinding stone when they speak to you. Right. But it does seem like if if that combat does go longer in a minute, they would just disintegrate at some point, or they'd just become an inanimate again. Correct. They would just turn to boulders that they were summoned from. That could be interesting if the party draws it out that long. Yeah, so that's um, ten rounds of combat. If the party can't stop them for ten rounds, and maybe you have them if they're neutral and trying to act as just people to stop you, they might just be rolling up and down the hill for like 30 (laughs) feet up, 30 feet down to get that roll attack, because that's cruel but funny. Um, as the, the, you, you as the DM need to use their rolling attacks as the kind of go-to. The only thing you have to be careful about is that rolling generally requires movement up ahead. So let's say they come in and roll into you. They then have to walk away to roll some more, and they get an attack of opportunity. So they're kind of killing themselves if they keep doing a roll attack unless they're rolling to other players, and even then, they provoke attack of opportunity. Yeah, so the item that I found for this week uh, came from a list of unusual magic items put together by U4Bus11 on Reddit, in the, uh, in the D&D subreddit. Um, and it's, this is called the Ball of Bear Rings. And it's a metal ball made out of interconnecting rings in the shape of tiny bears, which I just, I want this in my life. I want one of these, even if it doesn't have this awesome action. Uh, When activated, the bears become detached and animated. The bears act like a swarm and can't form complex shapes, but they can retrieve objects and will, will growl in the direction of danger when activated. If even one bear is lost, the rest of the bears will look visibly distressed and will reform into a ball, creating a replacement in 1d4 hours per bear. So, so yeah, it seems like a fun little, you got a little bear posse in your pocket, and they care very deeply about each other, uh, which, which, again, we, you know, we think is important. <laughs> <laughs> Carry, they're care bears. They're Care Bears, in a, and they're very close to each other because they make a little ball. I like the ball-bearing pun. That's a pretty good one. So how would you, as a player, use this item? I feel like it's it's a... It's, it's probably an animated uh, uh, smoke screen, almost. As in, like, ooh, I've gotten into a situation that may be a little out of my... Uh, out of my depth and activate this thing and all of a sudden there's a swarm of bears uh, for whatever I've encountered to deal with as I run away. But they're very tiny. Like, I don't know. I think someone would just like stomp over them. Oh, see? Ooh, I interpreted this as they became actual size bears, but... uh... No, I think they're like little, like tiny, like little bug like bugs or something small. But not bug bears, because those bug are not bears. tiny. Those are big. I, I think, hmm. I was sort of picturing them like, if you, like, 
were trying to get an item, mm. you could send them to fetch the item while you're engaging in combat. Or if, like, something shattered and you needed to collect the pieces of that shattered thing, they could all go off and collect them. Like, I would probably use it mostly for that. For like, retrieving items. For retrieving things. Or maybe as a lock pick if you have a physical lock that they could get inside of. Maybe. Maybe. It's not a very big description, so I I guess it would be up to the DM or the creator's discretion on it, what they are actually capable of doing. If they could like get in and just like destroy a lock mechanism while they're just rattling around in there or something. So tiny is actually a size description in D and D. Yeah. So tiny is, is tiny? two and a half feet by two and a half feet. Oh, that's still pretty big. That's. That's still pretty big. I was picturing these as like little bugs, like a like an inch or two big. So that's a difference. I can see them as kind of acting as like a few cubs. Like there's yeah, like three okay. cubs that you can have. They would be pretty large in terms of like carrying a metal ball around. But if you can carry it around, the, the biggest thing here that I see is that um, they can retrieve objects and will growl in the direction of danger when activated. So these can be your security team at night when the party mm. is resting. You can take your bears mm. apart and set them in like points of worry and listen to them growl. And when they when they expire, for lack of a better word, uh, they'll just reform into the ball and then generate another one. They become detached and animated. Okay, yeah, no, for some reason in my head when I read this, I was thinking, oh, they become bears. <laughs> like, you just have three you or just have, however many giant bears. Right. So I, that's that's my reading comprehension at work. Then. It happened. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I would say there's probably four tiny-sized bears, right, in a ring shape. And so mm. I see that as hilarious because you just have bears you carry around, set them down, they start moving around. It kind of, to me, seems like a pack of a family of bears, minus mom or dad. Even... Even even metal metal bears. That's that's pretty cool yeah. too. So um what you're probably thinking of if in terms of a bear itself, uh is there are animal totems uh oh. that are magic items. Figurines of wondrous power is what they are called. Mm. Uh there are bronze griffins, ebony flies, golden lions, and ivory goats. Um, there's serpentine owls, there's all sorts of creatures, marble elephants, obsidian steeds, onyx dogs, and silver ravens. And so these are magic items that uh, you can summon, uh, which would come out as the size of those normal creatures. There's not a technical bear one, but you could probably restat the golden lions to be bears easily. Oh. And there's two of them. So yeah, there there are items like that where you can summon these creatures to do things. In case though, they actually have stronger stats and how long they hang around. So for the lions, these golden statues of lions are always created in pairs. You can use one figurine or both simultaneously. Each one becomes a lion for up to one hour. Once a lion has been used, it can't be used again until seven days have passed. You get something that comes back after a few hours. So that's kind of a bonus, I think, if you're going to use them as your kind yeah. of sentinels yeah, to watch it seemed, out. Yeah, it seemed like like one d four hours was not not too bad for mm. per bear. Per bear, that's, that's only if one is lost. So 
I guess, like, yeah, as, like, a DM, if someone, if you were giving someone this item, you'd probably need to, like, flesh out this description a little more. Yeah. As far as, like, you can only use it once per long rest or something like that. Yeah. You could definitely flesh it out. You would also have to be like, are they all tiny when you carry around? Because, like, three to four tiny bears, like, two and a half foot bears. bears, That's a lot of bears to carry around. I would say they'd probably be, like, totems small, and then when you summon them, they're kind of larger. This seems kind of like a druid item, I would say, more than anything. Yeah, it'd be cool if it was, like, actually, like, a ring. Because it calls it a metal ball, but you could, like, refashion it to be something like a ring that you can pull off, and then you have tiny bears in there. I would like yeah. that. I just like bears. All of bear rings. Yeah. We like bears. Yeah. We like rings. I don't know. I like rings. I don't like wearing them, but I like them. <laughs> They're fun to throw at people. So I don't have a tip, but I have a question for you. Sure. This is a new idea. This was an idea that I kind of had. So <laughs> kind of had an idea. I kind of had an idea. I don't really form full ideas, you guys will learn. Um, so... I am interested in learning to DM. And so you're a great resource. You've been DMing for a long time. My experience is having you DM for me as a player and listening to podcasts, which, um, I don't know, some podcasts are a lot of are loosey-goosey with the rules sometimes, which I think mm-hmm. is fine. Yeah. If you want to especially just make it more fun, make it more storytelling-oriented, which I'm into. Um, so if I want to learn to DM, I want you to let me know where do I even start? Like, <laughs> that's that's the question I have for you. Where do I even start? So you, as a player, I would say probably know about 80% of what you need to know to DM. So a big portion of D&D is combat, right? And so right. as long as you've done combat or you've had social encounters as a player, you kind of get the idea of that. So combat... As long as you know how to roll and attack with your as your own character, and you can read a monster manual stat block, you're ready to go for combat. So being familiar with the monster manual stat block or a, man, a stat block for a monster will really help you out on how to do it. Some creativity and improv is involved in that. If you can talk as a player, you can talk as NPCs in your world. And so you've kind of got that set up. So... I as a DM creativity and improv is where we struggle sometimes. I think, (laughs) and if that's the case, then you can always start with a pre-written module or a pre-written story. Uh, There are plenty of resources online. Uh, There's DMs Guild. There's D and D Beyond. There are multiple places like Drive Through, um, Drive Through RPG, where you can purchase or download free adventures. Whether those are like a one-off that's meant to be a few hours, you can write your own if you feel comfortable with that. But if you're waiting on improv, I would say start with something like that. Get that down, know your story, and then lead it from there. D&D is a lot of trial and error for new DMs. It's, you're not going to be perfect in the beginning. What you say isn't always going to be constant. Like I will say, hey, yeah, you can do that with this item. When a player comes up with like, let's say they come with the bear, the ball of bear rings, right? We might have to change that item slightly. It is your discretion as the DM, as long as in the end, you have made something that isn't unsustainable or is too overpowered. Like if maybe those bears, they're tiny. It didn't say anything about them being able to attack, right? They just move around and grab things. But if a player comes up with that and is like, I want them to be able to attack for me. I don't know the stats of a tiny bear. Does it have the stats of a cat? You get to play with that stuff as a DM. And if it doesn't work, you can change it. But my biggest recommendation for DMs 
to who are starting is you don't really need the Dungeon Master's Guide to begin. You just need either a starter set or a player's handbook. Because the player's handbook tells you how to start combat, how to do social encounters, everything like this. The DM's Guide is really about magic items and how to create your own worlds. And if you're using a pre-written module, you just need a player's handbook to get started. Or cool. a starter set. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the idea of DMing is it seems like a big thing for a lot of people who've only played, especially if we haven't played very much. But I think um I don't know, I think that's that's over overdrawn sometimes. I think it's maybe it's really it's, not as it hard. It seems like as, a tall order. Yeah, a tall order that's the word I was trying to think of. That's not even a word. It's two. <laughs> but uh yeah, I think it seems really intimidating to a lot of people sometimes, and so, um, yeah. But I don't, I don't think, I think people feel like sometimes they need to be perfect, and uh, maybe be able to create these really magical, fun things with their friends. Maybe especially if you're like me, and most of your experiences with these really amazing podcasts that are really emotional and heartfelt. Um, yeah, and funny. Yeah, and funny. I don't know. I don't think it has to be a big thing. So I'm looking forward to being able to to try it out and maybe giving some other people like you who spend uh, get have to spend a lot more of their time DMing than actually playing and I think some, I think maybe the playing is maybe fun, more fun. It um, depends like if you enjoy storytelling DMing is great for you because you get to write the story the players participate in. If you don't like writing a story you might be more of a player and some people can DM some people can't some people just don't want to try or they would rather sit and participate in a game, then run one. And that's completely normal. You're looking at a 100% player right here. There you go, yeah. <laughs> no judgment on that. Like, you might engage in a story better when you don't have to write it up. I, as a DM, find the excitement comes from putting a story together to mess with the players or to give them a journey to go on or some quest to come up with. Uh, I also enjoy playing because that means I get to use all the dumb knowledge I have stored in my brain about like monsters and stuff. Uh, there are some things as a DM you have to be careful about, and that is don't backseat DM. For me, when someone is new that I'm playing with as a DM, I will just kind of sit there and I won't tell you anything unless you ask me. It's your game, not mine. So you get to run it. If you have like, hey, what would that role be? Yeah, I'll definitely contribute to that conversation. But otherwise, the rule of cool always trumps everything when it comes to D&D, which is if there's a statistic or a role that normally is rolled, the monster manual, excuse me, the DM's guide or the player's handbook tells you to do something, screw it. It's your game. Do whatever you want. Yeah. There's no right or wrong way to play. There's no wrong way to play. Yeah. you can, As long as everyone's having fun, you're not playing wrong. Some people, yeah. there's like critical failure tables. You roll a one, something bad happens. Whether that's your weapon gets stuck and you lose your next turn, or your character suddenly has an onset of diarrhea. There's some weird things that can happen when you're rolling once. Some people like to play with the challenge, others just want to play. And so it's all about knowing your party dynamic. And I think that's what really sets those podcasts apart on like, Dungeons and Daddies, not another D&D podcast, all these things. Those players know each other, and they had time to have a conversation of like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Where do you see your character in this world? And I will say for you guys, whenever we played a game, we never got really deep into character, right? 
you right. made a character, you played a one-off, you started something, and then I tried to get a doctorate. And so, like, there's there are limitations Succeeded. to time. Finished it. Yeah, I did finish that. So, yeah, the the main thing for a DM is improv and time. You just got to put it in. So, as a wrap-up, uh, you can find us on your podcasters of choice as Sweet Tea and D&D. If you're listening to this, you've already found us, I hope, unless you just skip to the end, which is weird. Uh, there's content. Go backwards. Uh, as for our social media, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, the Facebook page might go away because I don't know how to use Facebook very well, nor do I have access to it. So check us out on Twitter and Instagram where you can find episode release dates, updated information, and maybe some links to some of our episode content. So yeah, uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>